the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the lake of fire, the second death. These are images that flooded my adolescent mind alongside real-life stories of pastors in Soviet prisons and mental institutions. This was all alongside the ever-present possibility of a nuclear holocaust. Fast forward to today, we have Russian hackers, disinformation campaigns, fake news, conspiracy theories, and to top it all, a global pandemic. Surely, the stage is set. I'm Paul White, and this is Apocalypse, the Book of Revelation. Join me and my special guest and friend Pete Milner as we explore what God might be saying through this incredible book to us today. Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White, and my great friend Pete Milner. Hi everybody. We are having an incredible journey through the book of Revelation, and we are on chapter 17 today. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll kick off. Lord Jesus, we ask you in this incredible book that reveals you, that you would reveal yourself to us today, and give us a fresh excitement, fresh insight to, to what you are doing on the earth in our day and our time but also that bigger picture um so lord we love you and we open our hearts to you today amen amen so pete i shall read chapter 17 um verse one it says then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me come i will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who's seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls holding in her cup a gold sorry holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality and on her forehead was a name written sorry was written a name of mystery babylon the great mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations and i saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints the blood of the martyrs of jesus wow so this is a pretty shocking revelation, isn't it? And it's yeah. introduced by one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. Mm. And he said, I'm going to show you this judgment that's either taking place or about to take place or has taken place. Mm. We've seen a woman, a great sign in heaven, the woman about to give birth, which yeah. we... Clothed in the sun with the male child. Yep. So that was a very noble Yes. version of a woman this is quite the opposite although more glamorous yes and and we're decked in jewels and all that kind of stuff and finery yeah and and 
we're clearly seeing, aren't we, that this is the the sort of beastly counter to to the the woman who's clothed with the sun, or, you know, with stars around her head. She's mm-hmm. Zion, who gives birth to the the male child who will rule the nations. This woman is not conceived with it, not kind of occupied with anything so wholesome as mm-hmm. as doing things well. What she's doing is, is she's become entirely greedy and and corrupt in her heart and in her imaginations hasn't she so mm. everything about her is worldly she's sort of em- she's sort of like an embodiment of worldliness as far as i guess john's vision imagines it mm. so she she represents everything that is too decadent too sensuous too sort of gross and, and over the top about everything yeah and she's riding on this beast which which does look like the beast that emerged out of the sea before with seven heads and ten horns. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure whether to think that that's the same beast or not, but I do think it is for the reason that she is riding the beast and the beast is carrying her, but there's a, a sort of ugly relationship somewhere in this. Mm-hmm. You see, like it's not good. I get the feeling the beast doesn't like being ridden, and interesting. she doesn't really love the beast. No, we see a bit of a, a kind of unravelling of this relationship a bit further on, don't mm. we, in the chapter? I guess we do, yeah. But the the summary of this abominable person and, and their hideous greed and, and for gorging themselves on all the world's luxuries and abominations all at once, it's like classically representative, isn't it, of mm. all that is worldly and, yeah. and most unlike Jesus. Yes, so it could be a personification of the systems of this world, of kind of the excesses and the sinful kind of extremes. Yeah. Yeah. And in the 21st century, we, we quite readily associate that with what we call global elites. Hmm. So that's new language to the 21st century, really. People didn't really talk like that in the 20th century. We've got the idea of global elites who are just above the law and they just gorge themselves and mm-hmm. they get away with whatever they want because they're just completely so powerful and rich that they've sort of risen above the law and they've just made an utter scandal out of everything. Yeah. And that's it's, it's a very fertile ground for our imagination. But I think it is a mistake to view this woman as a real person. Right. I think she is the living embodiment of a concept. Yeah. But it's wrong to think that so, this would be a woman who really does arrive sure. in the world. Yeah. So... She's called Babylon, yeah, the great mother of prostitutes. What's this connection with Babylon? I mean, I've read one commentator who said he, he thinks the actual physical city of Babylon will be rebuilt mm. coming up to the end times. Yeah, maybe. And this will be God's judgment on that kind of epicenter of nastiness. Mm. Um, do we? Does that need to be? Happen? Does that need to happen for this to be? prophetically fulfilled I, I don't think so no i what i see i mean babylon in in john's time when this is written babylon is a pile of ruins yeah. with a little village on top of it of, mm-hmm. of people who just happen to be there it's not a great power that babylon is named because all through the prophets of the old testament you see it's babylon that's the problem yeah. it's babylon that destroys jerusalem yeah. destroys the temple takes the god's people into captivity and so it's like the perennial enemy, like the Nazis. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the Nazis, they're the bad guys because they yeah. always come up in here and ruin our stuff. So Babylon is is the name for it and the embodiment of it. Sure. But I don't think that 
the literal geographic place in which what is now the middle of Iraq um, is is particularly the most important thing. Rather, I think the important thing is how the, it's the embodiment of all the world's powers, mm -hmm. sort of swimming around and having this hideous kind of gross, over-the-top um, kind of intermingling at the seat of the world's powers. And so Babylon as a place could be anywhere. And I've, yeah. I've seen commentators say, ah, oh, yes, Babylon is is New York or Babylon is the new UN or maybe yeah. Babylon is the sort of global empire of, of this and that in history. Yeah. And I think that our desire to place it in a real place is is a strong one. But I think as we see the chapter unfold, we'll see that that's not... You know, for John, this embodies a city in mm -hmm. particular. I've heard one guy say, this is Jerusalem. Because mm. Jesus said, you who always slay the prophets and so on. Yeah, when yeah. he brings out indictment against Jerusalem. And I guess at its time of apostasy, Jerusalem could even be considered in this. But, you know, yeah. we're talking about really the uh, sort of ultimate judgment on this whole spirit, aren't we? Absolutely. And I think that throughout the Bible... Where, whatever age of the biblical text, I even think that Babylon, as this woman, should have a last name. I think that her ne her last name should be Sure to Fall. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. Babylon Sure to Fall. Nice to meet you. Yeah. You know, whatever is so so much you know zenithed and 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 apexed by her achievements mm -hmm. is just definitely doomed. Because yeah. it's, it's coming down. It's that same thing that we saw way back in Genesis with the Tower of Babel, Yay. Babylon. Yeah. It's that same desire to get up to God, take over his job and rule the world and have dominion yeah. over everything and just cavort in our pride and lasciviousness and mm -hmm. all the sort of sinful ways in which that has a fulfillment in power and domination and luxury. And it's just something the people of God should revile from. We should distance recoil from, from. Recoil yeah. from, yeah. 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 Cool. So... Um, he says, when I saw her, I marveled greatly, verse 7, but the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel. Uh, wait, wait, where am I? Yep, Will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Mm. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Let's just pause there yeah. if we can. So there is, um, some scholars have, have tried to teach me that this is a kind of way of describing the king of Rome, the emperor right. of Rome. So Nero it was, was the first Roman empire to gener to persecute Christians and apparently it seems to have been restricted mostly to the city of Rome itself. Mm -hmm. But Rome was the place where Christians would be tortured and maimed and killed in the most hideous and ferocious ways. Um, just partly because of Nero's horrible personality, mm -hmm. it seems. Nero doesn't last long and he's replaced by an altogether more moderate um, Caesar, even though he's probably just as bad in other ways. Um, but this string of kings comes... And it's Domitian who emerges 91 AD, who enacts a general persecution of all Christians across the Roman Empire because the Christians have become too powerful and right. he fears them. So 
There is a belief which in the first, second and third centuries AD, the church has sort of remembered and they say this kind of thing that Domitian was kind of Nero back from the dead, you know, right, Nero right. Re- okay. revived. Yeah. I think out of a response to this text, because the beast suffers a mortal wound, doesn't mm-hmm. it, earlier in the story? And the beast has a, a kind of place of complete supreme authority over the world and its systems. And perhaps it's right for us to see that this is a kind of apocalyptic revealing of the kind of spirit of Nero, which is present mm-hmm. in anyone who sort of takes over the world. You know, no one ever takes over the world with a good heart full of benevolence no. and, and generosity, do they? They always take over the pri- over the world by killing and maiming and stealing and killing and destroying. And, and from arrogance and... Yeah, self-aggrandizement and all the other things that are most horrible. Yeah. So in a way, this is a spiritual reality as well as perhaps a practical one embodied in one person's life. Mm. But this beast that was now is dead or is not and is about to rise again. It, it may be that this is a, a kind of way of describing the sense in which the spirit of Nero is kind of back for us all. And hmm. it's it's providing the horrifying persecution in which the readers of Revelation, the original ones, were living. Yeah, sure. So it's very relevant to them at the time as one would expect. Mm. It I, may be code as well for something that is to come. Sure. And if you are attached to the idea that Revelation is a timeline, then you'll be more interested in that because we're kind of near the end, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, think that that's a, a necessary, but and there is sure. a sense of crescendo, isn't there, coming Very through much. the whole book? Very much, yeah. So let's read on. It says, um, "This calls for a mind with wisdom, so that invites kind of speculation, really, doesn't it? Yeah. So this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are this are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is the other has not yet come, and when he does." He must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was not, sorry, that was and is not, it is, it an, is eighth. an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And that, the, that again is is that exact thing. So from Julius Caesar, you know, after him onwards, we have emperors, and you've got the the line of Augustus and Tiberius, and, and I can't remember them all, but mm. there's five, and then there's Nero. He dies, and then there's number six. And the the seventh one in the sequence is, is Domitian, as far as most people can read okay. it. So we think yep. that's what it's describing. So, sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's cool. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour hmm. together with the beast. They are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and those with him are called chosen and faithful. Mm. Wow. So the classic um, future interpretation of this is that there'll be some global kingdom that will emerge in the Mm -hmm. future. You know, the world's nations will unify under this beast and the beast will sort of have 10 delegates who get authority over the world in different pieces. And, and some of our ideas about what a continent is or what a civilizational kind of grouping is, that kind of lends itself to our tendency to think, you know, there'll be a North American you know, king and a South American one and a European one and a however sure. many else. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. 
uh, or necessarily required by the text. But it's clear that the beast has a kind of counter kingdom, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got the domination of the world and he's kind of grouped everything together and subdivided and subdued it all and is ruling through these 10 who give him all their authority mm. in that sense. So they're his puppets, really. It's interesting that their time is very limited, isn't it? One, One hour. hour is a really pr- so uh, if we're going to go for a literal, that's mm. not long, is that it? That sure isn't it's long. It's long enough to sign a declaration handing it all over to the beast again, I guess. It. Yeah. Losing it again. Do the news conference and then... Yeah. Not, yeah. Totally. But, and it um, may be a symbolic thing. The, the yeah. Revelation's use of time is very interesting because sometimes it seems very general and, and, you know, like you could take it to mean anything. Like, yeah. And I saw a sign in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and other times it's like there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I'm like, yeah. why so specific? What's, what's that and, and even here, you've got the woman riding a beast, mm-hmm. which we're told is about to rise from the bottomless pit. Yeah. And go to destruction. Well, we've already seen the beast come out of the bottomless pit. Yeah. So it's not gone back in it again. No, so this is just kind of weaving time backwards and forwards on yeah, itself, isn't yeah, it? And definitely. Layering pictures and and kind of snapshots and images yeah. on top of each other. To... I think that that's right to see because it's, it's almost like it's woven exactly mm-hmm. like a tapestry. You yeah. know, you've got your horizontal lines which give you yeah. the, the sort of structure to it. But riding all across and interrupting every aspect of that is these other visions which mm-hmm. penetrate it and redress the balance of the text and make you kind of think about other things other than just a simple timeline yeah but the overall sense which we're getting is that even though these monstrosities that parade themselves on the earth in Mm. our arena yeah they even however awesome and intimidating and scary they are and influential they are they're doomed for destruction, and it's, I love it. And we yep. get this real short shrift here, don't we, where it says, these are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They make war on the lamb, verse 14, and the lamb will conquer them. Yep. That's just what's going to happen, Because everybody. Yeah. For he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Yeah. And I mean, just to put a time stamp on this um, recording. recording, we are... Two or three days into Putin's invasion of... Six days in. Six days in, is it? Yeah. Of Ukraine. And he's doing the stuff very much that we recognise with some of the monstrosities in the book of Revelation. He's strutting his stuff. Mm -hmm. He's intimidating. He's dominating. He's taking control. But even whether he is or is not a manifestation of any of these beasts, Mm. he's going to come down. Yeah. Because he's taking on the lamb, ultimately, mm. because his arrogance is an offence to God, isn't it? Absolutely. And and this is why the last name should be sure to fall. Because yeah. all the way back in the early chapters of the Old Testament, every self-aggrandizing empire that presumes to stretch their arms out and take the smaller things around them and, and subdue them and incorporate them, that's always shouted down on isn't it, in the mm. Bible. You know, God's people are called to go to the nations and broadcast the, the news of him to the nations and to witness to him in the nations. But they're never called to, like, go and conquer Egypt or go and conquer Assyria or go yeah. and conquer Damascus, are they? Amazing. And every time they try it, God's like, that's a terrible idea. Go back home and stop being silly. Yeah. You know, they, they are called sometimes to defend their own, but they're not called to go and conquer the world. And it's so important that we see that the very desire to gobble up and incorporate other yeah. nations and peoples and things is a 
anti-Christ kind of an attitude yes. because it's Jesus who is the Lord of all the nations, yeah. every tribe and tongue and nation. And any pretense, any attempt to sort of take over that title for yourself is a wrong one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you do get to be the king of one nation for a while, but any attempt of yours to sort of take over someone else, you know, yeah. you are mortal, and, you will fall. And the British Empire, yeah. with all its grandeur and stuff, is just a faint memory. Mm. Um, and we are an object lesson of what happens if you try and take over the world. That's right. It you, doesn't do you any good you in the end. won't succeed. You know, even if you look like you basically succeeded for and there a may have been time. some good things yeah <laughs> some well yeah yeah there's there's totally that but you know it depends who you are yeah so, absolutely and i mean a... the the rastafarians who emerged a hundred or a little more than a hundred years ago with um and those who followed sort of marcus garvey and Haile selassie and and you know the the, the black exodus kind of movement they looked around in their circumstance and they thought babylon what yeah. looks like Babylon to me? Well, I Come know what on. looks like Babylon to me. The white capitalist slaving society that took us from our homelands mm-hmm. and planted us out here to be slaves. We despise it with all of our hearts and we shall come out of it and yeah. return to our homeland where we will be able to be blessed. And that was their take. Yeah. And in a way, that's a absolutely fair interpretation. That's, that's right. Isn't it? If you've got the same Bible and you're looking at the things that they were looking at from their perspective yeah, I think that's it's hard what, that's what to... i would see if i was them and yet the british people the bible waving protestant british people who ran the empire they they thought of themselves as these benevolent godly mm-hmm. powers yeah. of authority that was sort of generally improving the world but yeah. that that's why the riddle of power can never be solved in this life yeah. it's always a tension between well i'm kind of doing good but oh wait look at that it's gone yeah. wrong and you know, we are we are best in humility rather than yeah totalitarian and stuff. I we? I actually thank God that I was born in Britain. I'm very grateful for my mm. upbringing and the privileges that I've enjoyed and so on. Yeah. Um, and I'm not kind of naive about that, but I think at the same time there is that humility that is befits a servant of the gospel mm. that we don't see in this empire building kind of conquest minded thing you know yeah. and so yeah there is one lord of the nations yes and this is the lord of lords and the king of kings and with him are called chosen and faithful that's a nice mm. thing to be to be named isn't it chosen and faithful yeah i mean the choice thing is is uh, a complication for me in this text because i i'm not somebody who thinks that there's a pre-chosen list of people who will ever get saved. And if you're not on the list, you'll just live and die without any chance of ever having known God. You know, I really genuinely believe that Jesus made his offer to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's important for me. But this book of life in which our names are written and this promise that we are chosen since before the foundation of the world, it is a real thing, isn't it? And it connects yeah. us to our destiny, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, most of the time... Um, when the lamb talks about the book of life or someone talks about the book of life, they talk about either their names already having been written or being blotted out, but yeah. they don't tend to talk about, you know, get your name added to the last page. As quick as you can. Yeah. yeah. So I think in a way the, the, pres- the presumption we should make about the, the chosenness of the people of God is that God has made an offer to all of us. We're all yeah. chosen in that sense. And yet it is our joining 
to that purpose and that destiny that keeps us in it. And yes. if we will abandon it and if we will not be steadfast and if we'll not hold on till the end and if we'll not do all those things Jesus told us all to do in the first couple of chapters of Revelation, then there is a chance we could lose the precious That's incredible, thing incredible, isn't it? But there is a sense of, as well, isn't there, that our decision or our yes to mm. Jesus and our surrender, it our voluntary to surrender to him mm. is an eternal moment yeah. and in a sense is known th- from eternity, isn't yes. it? So it's like God's not surprised when Paul White at the age of five gives his heart over to Jesus. Sure. But there's, there's, because that, he knew I would, I guess, because mm. he knows, but there is a sense which also he was it was a real choice he required me to make a choice yeah, yeah. it was a real one and you yeah. really did have to plug into it because the wrath of god it's over us until we mm. plug in isn't it until mm. we give our hearts to jesus we are in that state of of condemnation yeah there's only no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus yes and so if you are listening to this and you haven't ever handed over your life to jesus Please do it today. You yeah. know, let this be the provocation you need to say, Jesus, let my name be added to your book before mm. it's too late, before that book is a final list. <clears throat> yeah. So verse 15, then the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns you saw, they they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Mm. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. This is incredible, isn't it? Yes. This is this kind of thing that everyone's been very happy to go and commit adultery with and drink of her cup full of abominations and so on. Mm. And the kings of the earth have done that. And, and they despise it all the same. So they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over the royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. I think when John writes this, he is meaning Rome. Right. I think there's no bones about it. He wrote that and what he meant when he wrote it is that this seven-hilled city mm-hmm. that has dominion over the kings of the earth, that is Rome. So I think that there's something more nuanced in this, which is, I'd love to sort of offer to you yeah, as an idea. So I think that absolute power is, is corrupting. It's horrible. Power is best when it's kind of broken up into manageable chunks and shared amongst people so that it can keep the powers that be in check. I think that that's how God does it. You know, yes, there's a king of Israel, but there's also priests and prophets and judges and um, elders and people who can, can consult and keep the king in check, can't they? That's God's way mm-hmm. of doing authority. There's pastors of churches, yes, but there's also prophets and apostles and elders from amongst the community who are there to keep things in check and make sure someone doesn't go off all babylon mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that in the end... The, the the kings of the earth, you know, the, the great powers of the world will always hate the fact that there's a, you know, say a financial system that lives without them. You know, that you you might be able to control the money in your country, right. but you can't stop the stock markets in other countries yeah. completely. And so you will always despise your need to kind of keep catching the wriggly kind of <laughs> yeah. parts of it that escape your grasp. 
and that's why it's so totalitizing. Um, but the the pro- they all hate the beast, even though they have to use the beast. It's the beast that's really riding them, isn't it? Yeah. The beast is the 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 sorry Babylon is riding the beast. The beast, yeah. So they hate Babylon because they're enthralled to her. Yeah. They have to do their trade through. She's her. really in charge. You know, you might be king of the world, but you're subject to the rules about how money works and how mm. power works and how military conquest works. And there's yeah. no escaping it. You can't beat it. You can only join with it and think you can control it for a while. But eventually those things will outlast you. Yeah. And for God's people, the persecuted people, the, the people who live at that state of unease with the world systems, you know, we have to think... You know, what comfort is there in in a world where countries gobble each other up and mm-hmm. invade each other and, you know, submit each other to terrible sanctions that will make everyone in the country mm-hmm. poor, basically? The only comfort is that it is sure to fall, yeah. that it will not last forever. Even if it outlasts every president and king that there is, it won't last forever. And the eternal promise of God is that one day the Lamb will conquer, does conquer, definitely will, yeah. and deliver his people forever. I just, uh, that's, that's great, Pete. I just find verse 17 fascinating, that mm. God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And so mm. there is this sense which God is allowing all this horrible kind of machination to go on yeah. until the beast gets what he wants, which yeah. is all power. Mm-hmm. On the earth, and yet we know that all power and all authority and everything else belongs to the lamb. the lamb. Yeah, and so it's this kind of hollow sham victory that mm. the beast achieves by gobbling up Babylon. Yeah, yeah, and um, which in the end it, it gains him nothing because he's going to be defeated by the lamb anyway. Totally. Yeah. But it's that God allows this and he's put it into their hearts to carry mm. it out, which is just incredible, isn't it? It reminds me of what um, Joseph <laughs> says to his brothers when, you know, Joseph, the, the technicolor dream yeah. coat, he gets sold by his brothers into slavery yeah. and they're pretty guilty about it. But when they're in time of need, they go down to Egypt and they accidentally meet him. And he says to them eventually after they find out, he says, don't fear, because what you purpose for evil, God has worked for good. Yeah. And. I would love everyone to have that kind of a grasp of God's sovereignty, that evil is still evil and it's still bad and it's still wrong. And there's still terrible things that are not part of the heart of God to do. And yet in his sovereignty and his supremacy, he is able to work through any such evil thing. Incredible. For the purposes of good. Yeah. And that is my kind of God <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah, I, I don't need a God who could just give me power when I want power I don't need a God who's gonna just um you know be, sit idly by with things I need somebody who can turn an evil situation into a good one incredible redemption absolutely incredible so ladies and gentlemen and we're gonna stop right there but I just I'm gonna pray in a second but just before I do just to say if you've been helped by this podcast find it interesting challenging provocative any of those things and you want to comment on it like it share it pass it on um that's all good and it helps to get the word out there and get people thinking about these things which are so crucial aren't they yeah so lord jesus we do thank you that even the most intimidating world dominating powers 
ultimately crumble and fall and bow before the Lamb, Mm. your spotless Lamb, our Saviour Jesus. And Jesus, we honour you today and we surrender once again our hearts to you. And we say, Lord, thank you that you have written our names in your book because Mm. you are faithful and true. We love you. Amen. Amen.